now that we're 40 episodes in, something that I really want to introduce with us. Yeah. It, it's a game you and I have been playing recently that you, you're not good at, but I like to do. <laughs> I, we should we should blow a horn, and then when the horn hits, you have to pitch an SNL skit. I, so I, I'm, like, really impressed at how quickly you can do them. I can't. I really can't create things from scratch like that. And it's like, I think a reason I've really never even bothered to try writing comedy. It's literally like just Mad Libs. I just look around the room and I try to think of like, I don't know how you do that though. So for example, like I, Nick and I have been going back and forth like, uh, Oh, uh, pitch an SNL skit. And so like one of the concepts I came up with is it's, it's, it's succession, but it's just Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory. Yeah. Which is <laughs> <laughs> great. Yeah. And similar to like one of my favorite things I did in recent years was like Oscar, the grouch Joker trailer style. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what I was inspired by that in the oh. Mario Kart, Pedro Pascal, last yeah. of us parody. Um, what was another one I said that, uh, male dinosaur finally asked the cur uh finally musters up the courage to ask out a female dinosaur the day that the meteor finally hits i forgot about that one yeah you had another one man, man, man goes on a blind date with a uh, woman goes on blind with date with henry the eighth <laughs> yeah see i don't have these i mean we really haven't been doing it back and forth i've just been more you've been listening in awe yeah. i've been appreciate like i like hearing them i can't i can't volley the serve back mm. sports term yeah yeah but you could you're like very sharp like that I your brain does work like this, that. This you, just, sounds, you don't believe it does. This sounds like lame false humility or something. I have heard that before and I understand why you would think that, but it's not it just doesn't work in that way. Like I as much as I like stupid things and sometimes in the right setting I could be quick-witted, I there's no part of me that could just come up with funny things and and then do it. I guess all of your stupid things have a uh, uh, structure to them. I think so. And and in more recent years, I think they've also been more um, like, I don't know. I, got, I love a good long bit. Yeah, <laughs> like right. That's, I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's more Andy Kaufman, you know. <laughs> I see. Yeah. No, I don't know. More method to your madness. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I mean, we can incorporate that, that, but you'll you'll have to pretty much be the one pitching the bits. Nah. There's no fun for you when I'm doing it. Oh, it's fun for me to hear. In theory, yeah. <laughs> um, it's some like I'm a little better. No, you know what? I need a jumping off point because we sometimes have played the game of here's a movie title and then come oh, up I with the plot. And like that I could do. Oh, I love because that Because you're too. giving me something to go off of. That The challenge of that, like if you were to like write a stupid rap song, I can't do it. But if you were to like write a stupid rap song using only the words that are in this book like in this uh encyclopedia uh, that's a horrible example in the bible then the challenge will get me to do it yeah i mean that's right. not a good example so uh all right so here we go so what uh what is the movie the hamstring of my heart called about the hamstring of my heart so personally i ideally like film titles that um don't necessarily sound like they're going for a joke more like like string of my like heart strings or the string of my heart um it's more fun of a challenge for me but the hamstring of my heart obviously would just because that's kind of i know what that is it's a football movie um uh and you know the guy is injured and then falls in love with his nurse and then he doesn't want to uh yeah give up give up um being in rehab and so he he pretends to not get better and then gives up the big game so that he could spend time with the nurse now if it was a movie called like heart strings um but it it's would not, be it's much. It's not called a movie. It's not called Heartstrings. It's called but if it was, okay, then it would be a movie about. Uh, there's just so many more directions to go. It's like, uh, it's about a puppeteer first of all, 
Um, or it could be about an ER surgeon. Or it could be about a cellist. And so those are the ones that I like. I'm just... Yeah. I had the same idea. It's about like some some guy that falls in love with a, their physical therapist or, or vice versa. A woman falls in love with a physical therapist. Yeah. Then again, I'm looking at this way too binarily. I mean, we just had a movie come out called Tar and it was not about asphalt at all. Right. So like... Right. You just gotta... Yeah. And don't yeah. think I wasn't disappointed going into it. Right. All right. Now this is where you give me one. Um. Okay. I'm going to cut this part out, but because this is the creating from scratch thing I can't do. Mm. Um, okay, double exposure. Double exposure. Yeah. Um, That's probably also the name of like six movies already, but. <laughs> uh, hmm. That's tough. That's a good one. Oh, see, I, I think there's so much more to go here. It's like. Well, I'm not trying to go. I'm not trying to go like the same genre. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, spy out on a mission uh, in Siberia. Uh, gets left behind out in the cold uh, without a jacket. So he's he is exposed uh, both in the fact that he could freeze to death and also because he was double crossed and the people that are looking for him left him behind. You know what I mean? Oh, so, interesting. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so for example, uh, Jason Statham, he was in the back of a vehicle. Uh, as they were headed to their destination to go do a job. Uh, the people inside the vehicle ambush him. He escapes the vehicle, doesn't have his coat on. He was kind of showing off his muscles for a few minutes. Um, then he's out in the cold. He's out in the cold by himself, uh, trying to find a safe house where his allies are. We're going to find out later that those people also double-crossed him. Um, Spoiler. Right. And so he's out in the cold trying to brave the elements. Meanwhile, uh, the people that he escaped from are still on the hunt for him. Uh, they're they're in their roving machine searching for him. It's a little bit of like a, it's a mix between the Revenant and every James Bond. Sure, ever. sure. Um, See, I like that. And there's a double. That's my favorite part of the game is trying to come up with a plot that has serves a classic two, double entendre title. Yeah. And you didn't even incorporate the idea that somebody could be a there's a double exposure like in the photography sense. You didn't even incorporate. Didn't even think you don't that. have to. Uh, there could be a flasher in the movie who shows. Sh- yep. shows shows brain twice <laughs> shows brain twice <laughs> uh, <laughs> what a haunting way to put that um i went there first in my head and then i was like oh no uh i'm a classy guy i'm not gonna do that and, uh, thank, thank you for bringing that back with i i do think that one of the most and it's 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 not like a movie from what i remember that's aged poorly or anything and it's really good in one of my favorite roles of his one of the most absurd to me double entendre titles is there's a Ray Liotta movie called Unlawful Entry where he plays a cop who is also a rapist and the title's intention is unlawful entry and rape. It, it like bring oh, into a home and rape. I, 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 and it's it's a little it's just like it, it's just like well you don't need a double a double meaning title buddy like no no <laughs> particularly when like the movie itself was solid and was not exploity or anything like that <laughs> like, right they were just like it doubles is like a pun like, yeah oh, so the like, mar- like the marketing team is really just is like how do we goof this up a bit like <laughs> well listen i think we talked and developed hamstring of our hearts and double exposure more than uh, all right I, I, i'll be nice well i think we spent a little bit more time than uh sandler and company spent on the movie that we're talking about today here on the cinema chain gang podcast in terms of developing the idea Mm. all right welcome to the cinema chain gang <laughs> podcast we are finishing up chain number 20 
We used Blake Lively and Salma Hayek as the connection for Savages last time out. And this time we were using Salma Hayek and Andy Samberg, who's not really a part of Grown Ups 2, but he is. I mean, he's in it. Uh, we'll talk about how later. Uh, but that's the movie we're talking about today. The 2013 sequel to 2010's Grown Ups. Uh, Grown Ups 2, which uh, has its own reputation uh, that precedes it to this day. Uh, as do, I mean... Yeah, as does almost everything Sandler does. I mean, Sandler movies in themselves have a reputation, and then this has some added elements to that, too. Um, can I just say right off the bat, and really maybe take the air out of the balloon of your excitement or lack thereof um, about this? Um, I know, like, you know, as a Kevin James apologist, which I am, um, you think I was, like, pretty pumped for it? I'm going to be so, so right on board with most, if not all, criticisms you have to say about this movie. Um, I I truly... Sigh of relief. Yeah. (laughs) uh, I truly... But it actually does... It's I'm not surprised, but there's something that I struggle with about it. There's something a little mind-boggling about it to me that this was the end result of what I really, really believe was so much potential. And I'm talking not just about second. I'm talking about both, just the franchise in general. And I'm, I'm really Grown Ups one. And you're, it, Grown Ups two is downhill from Grown Ups one, but even Grown Ups one, like I, I have a lot of the same complaints about both of them. We'll get to it. Yeah. We'll, get, we'll get we'll get into it. Uh, I forgot about what am I watching because basically what I watched this week was Grown Ups one to prepare for Grown Ups two. You could talk about the first one if you want. Uh, so I I don't know where this is going to fit in the main review once we get to it. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I don't like Kevin James with facial hair. Can I just say that? I, um, I mean, you can. Do you? It's a free country. I don't like the beard. Um, I thought it was all right here. I was more thrown when it occurred on, as I'm sure you and most of America remembers, uh, when suddenly he had it on season two of Kevin Can Wait, where it's like, well, where'd that come from? Um, now he's got a more almost like Christian UFC look going on. <laughs> so it works now with him. Or maybe it does. I don't know. But he does seem like he, he wants to... Uh, talk to you about the joe rogan podcast and joel austin well what uh, ready <laughs> r- rapid fire his his filmography hitch didn't have one paul blart no i mean i skipped a bunch of things uh, now pronouncing chuck and larry no grown-ups no dilemma no zookeeper no wow what, what a what a hall of fame gr- group of movies these are by the way uh <laughs> here comes the boom no grown-ups too yes paul blart too it's gone little boy no pixels no when he's the president. <laughs> Makes uh, sense. True memoirs of an international assassin. No. Sandy Wexler. Don't remember. Hubie Halloween. Yeah, very big beard. Don't remember. I believe you, but I don't remember. Yeah. Because I don't remember that movie ZZ Topish. Home Team. No. So it really is not part of his um, And there was um, something else in there you didn't mention where he had the most prominent beard, which was uh, uh, that movie, he plays like a Nazi killer. And there was oh, a, the yes. movie with the girl. Becky. Becky, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yes, he did have a beard in that. Talk about an outlier in this filmography. Well, that is, look, like, all bits aside, I think his filmography, so setting aside any voice roles, so has not lived up to what he is capable of, or at least was capable of at his peak or something. I guess it's like unclear now, but like there, think, there's I, a lot I, of that I, stuff. I think his philosophy has not served who he is as a person. And I really mean that like genuinely, like there's a lot of stuff. A lot of King Queens is a good example. 
and some like you know like when he was on Fallon and they're looking to do like bits and he did like pratfall bits like that stuff kind of really highlights he's like an oddly good physical actor or at least he was in his peak and like able to do things with his voice and stuff like that that I don't think there's really a movie I've seen that I'm like oh they they did it they captured that you know maybe Hitch maybe yeah I guess maybe in terms of the physical dancing and stuff and yeah 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 that is true uh, um, unfortunately, I believe at this point in his career, he is who he is. I don't know if there's any reinvention coming. No, I don't think there is. And I think it, it just feels like, I don't know whose choices they were, but it, it could have been like better uh, for sure. I, I mean, I think there was, I think there was a career with more praise if the choices were different yeah. for him. All right. Well, we'll get back to Grown Ups 2 in a second. Uh, what yeah. else have you been watching? Uh, home team. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um I uh, have been watching Party Down, the season three of Party Down Revival. Highly anticipated. Yeah, highly anticipated. Um, it's really solid. It feels like the show kind of never ended. Um, and they, I don't, it just, I mean, that show was always pretty chill. Short seasons, uh, wasn't trying to be anything grand. And, you know, they're not trying to reinvent the wheel this time. Like, it's, it just really feels like they are where they left off. Um, and it's, you know, sometimes if a show is like, uh, doing a revival, it's gonna really try to like hit the nail on the head with a lot of stuff, or try to do or something like that. Yeah. And with Party Down, it's not the synopsis. Party Down, yeah. Is, I feel like you always launch into your review yeah. before you tell people um, what it's that about. Always. Um, Party Down uh, is about a group of like struggling actors and artists in Hollywood who are all working for a catering company. Uh, so every episode is basically the catering company at a different event um that's usually where a lot of the comedy and cameos come from and uh most notably adam scott uh uh is is, is, and martin Starr in it and then the head of the catering company is ken marino um and it's got a so i'm not surprised by because it's some of the people involved like the the state crew and their peripheral people i guess are um they're they know how to write something good and and they know how to maintain a voice of something so it doesn't like feel cheap to like have the show come back i remember back when i first started to get into following the film industry reading film reviews listening to podcasts everybody's talking about the show how it was the best show that nobody watched mm-hmm. you know what i mean and it's it just it's kind of surreal to see it come back now especially with all these people it, it's very much similar to uh wet hot american summer where it Everybody talked about how good Wet Hot American Summer was and how it didn't get its day back in 2001 and had all these famous people in it. And then it came back for uh, like revival TV on Netflix and all these yeah, actors yeah. came back and stuff. And it's like, it's just surreal that we got to this point that we talked about the potential of future seasons of this so much that eventually it became a reality. And it sounds like, according to what you're saying, it lived up to what it could have been, which yeah. is good, which is good, which is great to hear. Yeah, and it's and I think it's also easier because it's not living up to anything like amazing. It's just like it, I think it's hard to hype it up. It's just like this was a solid, underrated show with a simple premise. Whereas like when you're gonna like do a re a uh, revival of Will and Grace or something like that, it's like there's a lot of hype for how beloved it was there, which also like well, there yeah, so was fine at first. I mean, Party Down obviously has its own very. F- not fanatic, I would say, but very right. passionate group of fans. There is always, there is always the, 
the bummer of something coming back and not living up to the expectations. It's kind of the reason. Yeah, totally. It's kind of the reason I'm always happy that Judd Apatow and Paul Feig never went back to Freaks and Geeks. The same reason. Right. Because, like, theoretically, if you go back to that well and you get James Franco and Seth Rogen and Linda Cardellini back in all these different formats, what's it going to look like? Yeah. And, and speaking speaking of Apatow, Party Dance co-created by Paul Rudd, by the way. And but I said this was a state. There, there's so many... This is so much less related to the state than I thought the show was. Um, Paul Rudd and Ken Marino are the closest thing you have to. Ken Marino is the only one who's in that group. Um, but it's very similar to Wet Hot. And similar to that larger scene and group it's like they were doing a bunch of underrated stuff and it we'll probably see more revivals now because the people who liked it are now probably working at the studios yeah, yeah yeah um so that's one uh comedy that's uh on right now i want to talk about another one that you also are watching yes um i'm more excited to talk about this yeah uh so ted lasso is back uh and as Ted Lasso returns, there's a sister series. I would call it almost a sister series to to Ted Lasso in a way because it's a lot of the same creative people. Uh, it's called okay. Shrinking. Uh, Bill Lawrence is the creator of the show. Uh, Brett Goldstein is another creator uh, who, of course, plays Roy Kent and has won several Emmys for his work on Ted Lasso. Uh, yeah. Jason Siegel is also creator of the series, and he is the star. Um as we are recording this, nine of the ten episodes of the first season around, it's been renewed for a second season. It's about a therapist named Jimmy Laird, uh, played by Siegel, who is dealing with the death of his wife. He has uh, kind of lost his way. He's stuck in a rut professionally and personally. His daughter, um, Alice, uh, played by Lukita Maxwell, uh, they kind of have a strained relationship right now. She talks more to her neighbor, Liz, played by Kristen Miller, uh, and he has been drinking away kind of his problems and having fun with prostitutes and... A bunch of a bunch of a bunch of inappropriate behavior for uh, a therapist, but yeah, maybe fitting of someone who's grieving the death of their wife. Yeah, uh, and he kind of has a professional awakening where he decides, hey, I'm just going to tell these patients what I'm really thinking, even if it's not ethically uh, great. Um, right, and that kind of spurs into a series of misadventures. It kind of draws the disapproval of uh, Paul Rhodes, his mentor, played by Harrison Ford, and. An interesting time for him. I want to talk about how interesting it is that he's in this series at all, uh, based on his history as an yeah. actor. Yeah, he like signed on, I think, before reading a script, which is fascinating. Yeah, fascinating. Um, Jessica Williams is also in the show as one of his best friends and one of his wife's best friends. Michael Uri, he plays Brian, his best friend. Uh, he was on Ugly Betty for a long time. It is very much going for the Ted Lasso template. It's it's this it's got kind of TVMA style language, a couple uh, like adult jokes, adult humor, but it's also very feel good in a very accessible way. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Um, For me, the show, I love Ted Lasso. I think Ted Lasso has kind of circled back around to so many people calling it overrated that it's kind of underrated again. When a show gets so popular, it becomes popular for people to say, oh, it's not as good as people say. And specifically that show in general has a style that some people might call grading because of its over optimism and over positivity. Mm -hmm. But I think the show is way more effective and deep than that. Um, and I think people forget that. And that's why I think it's come back around to being underrated. Where I'm going with this with shrinking is a lot of the time I feel the way that those people seem to say that they feel about Ted Lasso, um, where it's an easy watch. It's a show that I 
don't dislike watching but there are times where i'm like okay this this feels forced there's just something off that it it doesn't feel the positivity and the the feelings of the characters and the way that they interact and the way that they talk to each other it just just something for me when i watch it it's like this just doesn't feel as organic as it does with something with ted lasso you know what i mean that is and really interesting to me because i don't feel like there's a lot of crossover with Ted Lasso. I get that there's a positivity within it, but it doesn't feel with Ted Lasso. It feels that positivity feels like a certain voice. It has a, a bent like uh, it, you know, it's moving along like the spectrum of positivity or something like that. It's at this real place there. You need to buy into it to enjoy the series. It's very similar to like 30 Rock has a quirky vibe, right? And once you like buy into that vibe and you accept like this is what that world is, what that show is, it's there. There's a distinct voice to it. With Shrinking, I don't feel like the positivity is there. I feel like there there is positivity, but it doesn't feel in your face. It feels more subtle. And I think the show also feels more um, kind of emotionally draining and stressful in some of like the, in the dramatic moments, um, both in terms of like, Things will get better, uh, things will get worse, then things will get better, and then things will get worse again. And also, like, I don't know, I feel like there's some, like, brutal potential spoiler if you're going to watch it. Like, some brutal emotional elements with, like, where, like, Jason Siegel and the conflict between him and Krista Miller's character, who's, like, really deeply, like, empty nesting, basically, and and he's, like, telling her to get friends and stuff like that. I feel like it gets really uh, raw, more so than... Ted Lasso or something and especially with the vibe of you know the tone of the show overall I think like it's it, living in a more in a sadder and more raw place I I think we should have a larger Ted Ted Lasso discussion at some point because I mm-hmm. think that kind of goes back to what, what the way that you just said that you don't think the show gets very raw I think that's a misunderstanding about Ted Lasso specifically last season um when they really got into the nitty-gritty and the darkness of addressing your own mental health sure um but we'll have a, that. That's a discussion for a different. Well, day. I, th- I think the rawness just for me the rawness and shrink. It, it definitely does. Ted Lasso. The rawness and shrinking feels heavier and more real to me. I think it really does feel. It really does feel like Bill Lawrence plus Brett Goldstein. You know, in, in a way, minus um, the more comedic elements of, of Bill Lawrence. But like, it, so like it. Bill Lawrence, who co-created, who created Scrubs, he co-created Cougar Town, Spin City, Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just adding some context to that. Song. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, I, 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 the 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 one kind of uh, potential issue I have, I'm curious to see where it goes from here. The one thing is like, I'm I'm curious if they will have Jason Segel's character um, face consequences long term for the approach that he's taking with his patients he's faced consequences in the short term but i he, i don't think he's faced consequences in the sense of like he so he's telling these patients what to do um and uh r- rather than kind of just letting them think for themselves because and that would keep them like in therapy longer but it raises the question of like all right if you're telling them what to do and they're listening to you are you building are you equipping them with the the tools to later know how they're 
you know, what to do and make decisions for themselves. And so I am curious what long term these like the arcs of these patients will face. It's weird because the like the show in itself is very it's positive and empowering and stuff like that or whatever about about mental health and about therapy. But also the conceit of it in a way is anti what is largely an agreed upon standard of therapy. Yeah. And and I think that I think the show's tone kind of robs it of getting into those darker ideas and more introspective ideas because it it kind of wants to have its cake and eat it too for me where it wants to be like this breezy lighthearted comedy that you could watch at any time but also there's a lot of stuff under the surface of the stuff that you're all talking about over there that i i don't think it really is able to translate it as well with the specific tone that it has right now i wish it was darker is what i'm saying that's interesting because i almost I... wish it was something like i don't want to bring up succession again but I, like I wish it was something like that, where it was like a nastier show, you know, but still comedically based. I guess I I do think like I feel like it hasn't gone to those places, but I think it's perfectly capable of it and realistic for it too within the tone and setting. I think we're just finding the tone really different. I don't find it super breezy and watchable for fun. Oh, I mean, yeah. I had I had to put on I you know had to catch up with like the next episode that came out, and I I definitely was like. Uh, I'm not in the mood to watch this right now because, like, I want to kind of like, uh, yeah, be more into it. I don't, so, um, yeah, I think we're we're on different pages. I here. just, I just think, I just don't think it hits the level that it wants to for me. Um, I think I like all the people in it. I think Jason Siegel. I was kind of iffy on him at the beginning, but I think he's really developed the character into someone that is worth rooting for and worth liking. Mm-hmm. The reason I wanted to talk about Harrison Ford is like he has now entered this era early in his eighties where he's now kind of moved into doing television um, between this and between um, the Yellowstone prequel that he's doing uh-huh. randomly. Uh-huh. Just like I, I would have never taken him as somebody that would have gone to the streaming world. And now he's going to be in the next Captain America movie. Like he's doing he's doing things that I did not expect him to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I didn't expect him to do it. I mean, he's great in the show. He's my favorite thing about the show by a sizable margin. They give him so many good moments of introspection and physical comedy. I think he's really funny in the show, but he also has some of the best like monologues. Sure. Uh, and his character's arc, I think, is really interesting. Um, so it's it's material that's befitting of him. It's just it for whatever reason, I just like I never thought he would do something like this. But then again, he's always been like kind of the populist movie star. Between Star Wars and Indiana Jones and right. the Jack Ryan movies, like he he's not above doing blockbuster stuff slash mainstream stuff, you know. Yeah, I, I watching him in this role, I was also thinking about how much of my perception of the characters that he's playing is colored by the the public persona of Harrison Ford as a person, and certainly there's a lot of things that like sure lean into it. He's he's the grumpy guy in this. He's the grumpy guy in like Morning Glory. They're working off of that persona a little bit, like it. But but I think I struggle to. I don't give the character a fair shake or whatever. Yeah. So and I really liked the character, but I was also like, oh, it's Harrison Ford being Harrison Ford. Then I, I kind of had to like step outside of myself and be like, of oh, it. That's just like an unfair baggage that I am bringing to like you know a lot of his characters. Right. Well, um, we talked about that a lot with Morning Glory too. Remember, we kind of I think we were at a kind of impasse. Yeah, where yeah, I thought yeah. I thought he was giving a really good performance. And I think you were just said he's just playing himself. Yeah. And I think 
I kind of almost more so had it here because I kind of went into it with more assuming more grumpiness and more more stubbornness than the character so far in Shrinking has ultimately had. And for a second, I was like, where did this arc? I, this seems like a fast turn. And then I realized, like, I'm I'm not, you know, coming from the starting point of the character. I'm, I'm coming from the starting point of, like, be, the baggage of being the, the, the parasocial Harrison Ford that we know or whatever. Um, but yeah. I also, I don't know, I think... I don't know if he's my favorite character. I think I, I really like Jason Segel and, and Jessica Williams in it a lot. Oh, Jessica Williams think, is great. I, yeah. I've, I've been waiting for her to have a prominent role like this in something ever since she left The Daily Show. Yeah, and and um, yeah, I think she's so good in it. And then uh, the daughter is also like fantastic, I think, too. Yeah, I like her. Um, and Chris Miller, too. Chris Miller is like I often seen a lot of Bill Lawrence stuff and has like so a similar voice and all this stuff, but um, just given the 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 voice of Bill Lawrence characters, and I know this is like more Brett Goldstein character, um, it can be like hit or miss, but I think she's really great in it. All right, we got to move on. But I think there's potential for it to reach where it needs to reach for me to like wholeheartedly recommend it. But for me, it's more of like a mixed bag where it sounds like you're pretty gung-ho about it. Yeah, I'm really into it. I just, given all the subject matter and, like, the ups and downs of all their stuff, I feel like it has to be a short-lived series, not oh, similar to Ted Lasso. Speaking of comedies, yuck, yuck. Speaking of, well, Andrew, let's not shortchange a movie. As somebody who tries to respect all films, let's not shortchange it. Speaking of... We weren't just talking about a film. <laughs> no, we are, we're about to. Speaking of meaningful comedies, speaking of... Speaking of Big name casts devoting minutes of their time. their their time and effort to projects well, that straddle the line between comedy and deep emotional poignancy. Um, Grown ups too is what we're covering. I, I I I'm going to fight back on the time and effort part of that speech. <laughs> no, that's fair. Grown ups two was, uh, as of this month, it will no longer be but was the first live action sequel for Adam Sandler. Wow. And as of this month, it will know. Because Murder Mystery 2 is coming out. Oh, I see. Well, it'll um, still be the first. Yeah. No, I was trying yeah, to think of what the will, sequel would I, be. I, it will yeah, not yeah. be the only, I should say. Yeah. Uh, it is directed by Dennis Dugan, who is Adam Sandler's guy, for mm. lack of a better word. He is the director of Happy Gilmore, Big Daddy, I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry, You Don't Mess With the Zohan, the original Grown Ups, Just Go With It, Jack and Jill, Grown Ups mm-hmm. 2. Also, um, had a lot of uh, he did a lot of work on the later King Queens, I believe. He's 76 years old. That I did not know. Honestly, I, I, if you put the, a picture of this man in front of me, I would have no idea what he looks like. Um, and I have he, seen and yet he has been it. possibly the bane of my existence for... And like, I, no, I, I, think, I think a lot of the good stuff probably comes from him. Uh, it is written by, in quotes... Uh, I'm saying Adam Sandler, Fred Wolf, and Tim Herlihy. Herlihy. Tim Herlihy. That's how you say. It. Yeah. Okay. So I want to make sure I got that right. Uh, this was released in July of 2013, three years after the original Grown Ups movie. Uh, it made 247 million dollars on an 80 million dollar budget. Uh, I remember distinctly when this movie came out. Uh, it won the opening weekend box office over Guillermo del Toro's Pacific Rim, uh, which was a movie. <laughs> 
that a lot of people were championing as like an original sci-fi epic that they spent a lot of money on cost like 170 million dollars to make and then the the deer pissing movie (laughs) beat up the box office oh god you're saying i'm i'm thinking you're saying grown-ups one beat pacific rim grown-ups two beat pacific oh my god yeah okay so uh i thought okay i thought i was thinking those were grown-ups one numbers and two was gonna like really uh it is it was a nine-time razzie nominee at the golden raspberry awards for 2014 it was a zero time winner because it was bailed out that it happened to come out the same year as movies like movie 43 which is <laughs> i hope we, I, there there are so many people in that movie that there is no chance that we don't get that movie one day so can i a real brief aside we were last week talking a bit about champions and in an interview with peter farrelly with bobby farrelly rather um they, they talk about how you know they're like oh is it weird for you it was another the mike ryan interview they were like is it is it weird for you that you know peter did a movie on his own and won an oscar for it and he goes yeah but peter also contributed to movie 43 and i actively i, I was like i'm not touching that i don't want to do it and he goes so even though Peter's is the guy who he's the brother who has the Oscar, he's also the brother who has a Razzie. <laughs> he's like, so he's like, it, 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 it's equal now. <laughs> uh, that's a battle for another day. Yeah. But uh, Adam Sandler, Kevin James, Chris Rock, David Spade return. Uh, Rob Schneider does not. And in that way, he's the winner of this movie. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if he was not asked back. I don't know if he had uh he was shooting a sitcom at the time. They seem to all still be friends, right? So Um I think there there has been some kind of I don't know if it's confirmed, but like rumblings of like an issue between him and Adam Sandler and stuff like that. He had scheduling conflicts with Rob, the sitcom apparently, and his wife was pregnant, which I don't know. I don't buy either of those. So you can, yeah, you can find Because there is a thing he's I so much of this movie is reaction shots on a green screen or reaction shots that were clearly pickup shots <laughs> six months later that they easily could have found a way to insert him into this. Yeah. Um, and we will, well, I'll get into this at the end, but there, yeah, there's, I mean, try to deal with that in a fan project. The, the, the cast is Salma Hayek, Maya Rudolph, Maria Bello as three of the f- wives of the characters. David Spade's character is single. But his entire troupe is here. Colin Quinn is here. Steve Buscemi's back. Tim Meadows, John Lovitz, Shaq. Tim Meadows takes on like a more, he kind of replaces Rob Schneider, I, I think. In a, he's, Tim Meadows had the one laugh I had in the first Grown Ups. Um, Which was it? He like, he shoots a basket and he yells something. He yells, boom, baby, or something. And he literally throws it over the top of the basket. It's <laughs> the, the only part of the movie I think is funny. I forget it. When I started watching Grown Ups 1, I forgot that that's not the one we're doing. So I was writing notes and then I realized I didn't need to. But I was just like, the movie, the exposition of Grown Ups 1, literally Adam Sandler's first line is, I'm the most powerful agent in Hollywood and you just pissed me off. (laughs) That is some some economical exposition right there. (laughs) All right, I'm not done with the troupe. Dan Patrick, uh, Chris Berman, Michael Kay, all of the young actors that were in SNL at the time. Um, (laughs) Taylor Lautner, Milo Ventimiglia, Steve Austin. Did I say that already? I can't remember. Mm -mm. Um... His wife, uh, Chris Hardwick, apparently was in it, but then it was cut from the film. Did you mention Shaq? Uh, I did say Shaq. Yes, I did. Uh, Pretty much anybody he is even remotely friends with showed up to the set of this movie, uh, which which seemed to be easy to find roles for them because this movie uh, ostensibly has no... uh, Like, we joke a lot of the times like, oh, that movie movie didn't have a lot of a story. You know what I mean? Yeah, there there wasn't a lot of a plot there. This movie has no plot. 
This movie is a day in the life of these people. It's the last day of school. And it's literally just them walking around town, doing stuff, getting into comedic antics. Halfway through the movie, they decide they want to have a party uh, to have some kind of finale. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, that's that's pretty much it. I mean... Yeah, I, I don't think... I mean, it's not like surprising all the cast that was there. It's just a, a very Adam Sandler thing to have a lot of... Half of those people are just in every Adam Sandler movie. Um, but also the... And this is like really where my sticking, where, where I struggle to kind of like f- understand where they went wrong in a way. Again, it's not surprising because a lot, a lot of, especially later Adam Sandler movies, truly I'm like, I'm like, this feels like a first draft of something. Um, but with this, it's very clear and I stand by the, the, the conceit, the potential of the conceit, which is like, it's not just an, a movie with the Adam Sandler gang. It's also connecting him with some of the SNL cast members that that he was peers with. Um, and it's like, it, it kind of feels like they, it could have been the movie, and unfortunately in ways it will be, that is like, this is the, the grand project of this wider gang. They all like teamed up to do, to do this. It was supposed to be a really great thing. Um, a lot of the lead actors have potential and have their own um, strengths and like can put, play them, play different characters that show those strengths, but they they don't. A lot of um, I, I like basically Chris Farley would have been in this movie if he were alive, and this would have been like um, a real classic kind of movie like that. Um, that aside, like all of that potential that it is trying to have, it just completely fails to live up to you, because the execution, I think, was so poor. You you need a structure. You need something, you know? Yeah, and I almost don't even mind if it didn't have a real strong structure. I would prefer that over a movie that's more like vignette-based, which like I'm surprised this wasn't more of a vignette-ish movie. Um, but I also don't think at all that like the plot was interesting or that it served it in any way. I don't know what the right plot would be, but I think it's got to, it could be similar, but it's got to be more. A plot. A plot. Yeah. I, yeah, we are. Yeah. It it, ha- it really needs more um, um, just motivation for the viewer to watch it and stick with it. it, or, it or this something. is, this is without a doubt one of, it's not just bad. It's one of the laziest movies I've ever seen. It is in, it, it is stunning how little of it feels thought out, processed. Right. It's the lowest common. I mean, low common denominator humor can be funny, but it just there's just like it wants you to feel like oh you're hanging out with Sandler and his buddies. But to me, the way it comes across to me is they have such utter contempt for their audience. Like oh you'll just come see anything that they literally just throw everything stupid at the screen and try to see what sticks, if any of it. Right. I yeah. That is fair. And I think part of what I was trying to say before is there a lot of what the movie is going for at times is like the guys having this fun banter, razzing each other, where let's take an ideal dramatic example is like the, some of the diner scenes in Diner. They're trying to be like, this is like the, the rapport of the friend group. Uh, a great comedy example is probably like some early How I Met Your Mother episodes or something. Yeah. Where they have this like, you really buy into like this, this like... um bro-y kind of like not even bro but just, just this humor between friends and like it becomes they create an environment where it really you can just 
it allows just for like the entire scene to be like zingers to each other or something like that and different things and it works and it's fine you don't mind it this movie and i think if it could do that if it could achieve that it doesn't need as much of a plot we talked about this movie totally just fails to do that like the 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 scenes where you are showing the rapport between the characters just fail to do it well because it's I'm, i'm sorry it comes back to the script we talked recently about the Judd Apatow structure. The 40-year-old virgin is a great example of what you're describing. When you hang out with Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen and Romany Malko's character and Steve Carell, mm-hmm. they all feel like friends. Yeah. They all feel like, like, but it all works because they each have their own separate storylines. And once you have the structure of how they're all going to interact with each other, then you can add the improv. You know what I mean? This is like they're literally like, all right, uh, Adam, Chris, and David are in this scene. Uh I don't know. They're hanging out at a Kmart. Uh, Adam's going to be on an elliptical. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, he's going to... Oh, he uh, he set up a bully from his high school past. Okay. Uh, um, call Steve Call Steve Austin on the phone. See if he can come in and play that character that we just made up off on the fly. Yeah. There's there's a lot of... I think it does rely on a lot of stunt casting to be like, oh, wow. That, so Stone Cold's in, in oh, yeah. Gun too is going to be off the wall. You Nothing know, about I, it is off the wall. Oh, Michael K. he's the coach of the football <laughs> team. Uh, there's Dan Patrick's nutsack. Like, <laughs> oh my God. Um, this is a bottom 20 movie of all time for me. It is, I, not to be dramatic, but it is, you can probably, you can probably trace the downfall of Western society to this. <laughs> um, um, with the foreshadowing of the guy wearing the Trump outfit in the movie, I was like, oh, wow. This, these were simpler times. Oh, where, wow, yeah. Um, <laughs> which, by the way, also it does remind me of one other thing. In the Halloween party scene at the end, uh, I, I think it's might be Colin Quinn's character who's dressed up as um, Maverick from Top Gun. Um, and I want to say, but I, I did not do the research to confirm this. I'm saying without any basis that this is the first Cinema Chain Gang movie that is referencing another Cinema Chain Gang movie. But that could be totally wrong. <laughs> we would have to do deeper research on that. We very much would. Because um, uh, famously, every other Cinema Chain Gang movie all exists within the same universe. Well, that's the thing. Like, so he is so... <laughs> we've, we've reviewed a lot of 80s movies, and Adam Sandler is obsessed with the 80s. So this is the ultimate, like... It's like, ah, oh, fuck it. Let's have an 80s party. Like... Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, every joke is a sight gag and references. Um, yeah, it's just... It's like, and, oh, uh, have you ever wanted to see Steve Buscemi dressed as Flava Flav? Well, now you can. Yeah. Like, I think there's a lot of stuff in it that also is failed by the pacing and direction of it. It's stuff that is more their era of SNL based or something or stuff that would work better with faster cuts, maybe. Things like how they have, you know, Tim Meadows characters like, what? And oh then they my, have the, oh the son, God. and then they have the wife say, I'm like, I got what they were going for. It doesn't work spread out. It doesn't work with the pacing. If it was you're its right, own the, thing, there's a way to make it work. But you're it, right. The, the, the timing is atrocious. Yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah. like, there's no comedic timing whatsoever yeah, yeah. to the editing. And that's just like a rhythm thing that, like, maybe just you and I notice, or like. It's, it's short term timing, like, within the, the scene and the editing. And also, I think long term within the idea, it's like having those callbacks just don't feel or somebody else could do it so well there there are there are ideas that there are a couple levels of of comedies uh big budget comedies like this there are the ones with long form stories that happen to have jokes throughout the whole thing 40 year old virgin knocked up king staten island those kind of movies there are the comedies that they have like a log line 
but mostly they're just like little sketches for a better word within a narrative um i would put some of the better sandler movies in this category like happy gilmore it has a plot but really the the things you get the most joy out of are the sequences where he fights bob barker and the sequence where he is in the batting machine and he's taking the balls to the nuts and stuff like that to toughen up Mm -hmm. and then you have movies like this where there's no structure there's no story and every comedic set piece is just like a one sentence thing like oh uh david spade inside uh giant tire rolling down street right okay like what does that have to do like what how's that connected to everything else uh they go they they go skinny dip skinny dipping jumping off of a rock that they happen to run into some frat boys at cool uh deer breaks into adam sandler's house uh pees on his face runs away i like that you say that as if it's not the first thing that occurs in the <laughs> That the That's opening. what's still unsettling when you're like, this is where they're starting? <laughs> yeah. This is, they're starting with something that normally uh, they'd be like, well, we're out of ideas and we still need a third act. John, uh, yoga class, John Lovitz, pervy janitor gets Salma Hayek, Maria Bello, and Maya Rudolph to smack their own asses. Yeah. I, some of the things, I'm forgiving a little bit, I'm more forgiving of some of the stunt stuff, like the tire, or, or I would be if they were executed right, because if you're not going to go good comedy writing or good plot, I'd, you can at least do a movie that has way more big stunt stuff like that. But they don't. And I, they, they don't feel big. Anymore. I don't necessarily have a problem with the idea of stunts. I just have a problem with the idea of like, they're just hanging out and they decide they're going to do this. Like, you know what I mean? They have an idea of like, like the, the, the setup isn't David Spade's characters here to buy a car for his right. son. And the only way he can get the car on a discount is they let him roll him down the right. street or something like that. It's just like, oh, here's a tire. Let's put him in this. Just yeah. to, it. There's no setup to the gag. The gag just happens. You know yeah. what I mean? And th- it, that's just like a whole other level of like lack of planning. It just feels like we, they did the first thing they thought was funny. Yeah. I think that was funny to them. And they didn't even consider whether it flows into a structure of anything. And talking, going back to what I was saying about the the potential for what it could have been another thing it could have been if nothing else was a movie that had impressive stunts and set pieces like that with the proper like motivation and stuff but that my my kind of argument for like if i were them and that was like a way we were going to go with the movie i'd say like well you have these all of these people who have do have um whether you agree with it or not um sizable like legacies in comedy now um and this Grown Ups and Grown Ups 2 is a chance for them to, you know, it had been a few years since like uh, the peak of all of them. They're now all coming together. And we also, they all can command the budget now to do great, funny, they, funny shit. They and they all... don't. And that's like another, it's, I think there's three different ways this movie truly could have been real top notch. And all three of those things, it wasn't, you know what I mean? These are all people that know better, too. Like, especially in recent years, we have seen what Adam Sandler is capable of, both dramatically and comedically. You know? Mm -hmm. When he actually applies himself. Chris Rock, obviously one of the best stand-up comedians ever. David Spade. Okay. Um, (laughs) Yeah. You didn't react to that at all. I thought that was funny. Sorry, I was was thinking about all this. (laughs) (laughs) And just like... Also, I, I have, in recent years, I've realized David Spade, as a comedian, is really quick and has a lot of, like, good stuff. But, like, it never shows, I think, in the films. 
It's because these people don't they don't apply themselves. They don't care. They genuinely don't care. There's not a lot that there's rarely films that like really are showing what they can do. One thing I do like, I, I love like going back to much more quality movies. Far a uh, Farley and Spade in Tommy Boy and Black Sheep. Um, I liked them a lot. Um, the plots are real specific, and it's a real specific world. Right. One thing I always liked, uh, or one thing I always wanted to see, rather, was I always wished there could be a Spade Farley movie where it is more casual, more not that they're not relatable in those, but like that the world is more relatable or something. It's more chill. There's a way to do that with a plot. Though. It, it's very, do, as, as we've seen, it's very tricky. But yes, you can find a way to do it. Yeah. And I do think it is the correct move to take this whole cast and say it's going to be some kind of reunion or group outing, thing like that, without going like getting, having a real specific plot about it you know what's but the a really, thing is they didn't do it correctly you know it's a really good recent example of what this could have been something like hot rod you know sure yeah similar similar yeah. uh, obviously that gets into us talking about andy samberg like I, obviously i don't know what's gonna come up in the chain next because this could very well be the movie that comes yeah, up on the chain true. but um hot rod is a movie that has like a premise but really doesn't have a story per se um right but it, but each individual sequence is so meticulously planned and structured that I think it works. Yeah. You know? There is a benefit or an advantage that Hot Rod has that this movie, that the grown-ups conceit does not have or is more difficult, is that in Hot Rod, it's the voice of the Lonely Island. And in grown-ups, it's trying to be, in a picture that's overall kind of going for the Sandler voice, it's also trying to have Sandler's character have the Sandler voice. Um, Kevin James have some of the Kevin James voice and physical humor. Um, the, uh, like David Spade have his stuff and Chris Rock really like have the stuff that he was liked for. Now that's, they, it, it, they don't. And that's not the reason that the movie was not good, but right. it is a bit of a harder thing to pull off. Um, particularly without going like vignettes and separate storylines and stuff. But it just... Like I said, uh, it's so, it's so, so, so does not achieve it. <laughs> it, it uh, Is that even close? No, and it kind of bumps me out, too, because, like, I do think that this could have been such a great, like, showcase for all of the good comedy that they gave us over the years, right? This could have been, like, a showcase thing that, like, history could remember. And it's not. <laughs> See, I, I know the, I know this group too well. I, I Even going into this, I was like, there's no way that they're going to <laughs> deliver on even the well, most I mean, basic by the of t- even By the time the movie came out, even when it came out, when Grown Ups 1 came out, I wasn't shocked that it was bad. I was a little surprised at how little effort. I cared or something or how little effort. Like, there's something about... The, the modern Adam Sandler comedies that I don't like that at least is like, well, at least they're committing to this thing, to this ridiculous That's thing. That's what we that talked about I, with Click. We just talked about that with Click. Like, at least Click, yeah. Click has a story. We might not be into 100% yeah, into it. Yeah, and it's but. committing to, like, even a voice, but there's something so bland or not quite having a voice about grown-ups. Maybe it's because, like I said, they're all trying to have different voices. It's but. it's it's the, the, the nadir of everything um, that they do. I, I forgot I wanted to mention... If, unless you have anything to add on Grown Ups 2. 
Um, oh, I have a lot to say. Stop. Oh, okay, yes. great. Okay, no, we're sure. not done. We, 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 there, there is a lot to talk about here. Um, do you want to talk about that before we talk about potential what Grown Ups 3 should have been? I don't Yes. Well, I want to talk about... Yeah, I want to talk a lot more about Grown Ups okay. 2 before we do that. Um, getting back to the you idea... You need to convince of, me to live in this world. Talking about like the, the hangout the idea of hanging out with these guys and the, that's the appeal of the movie. Uh, I have a hard time doing that because all of these characters are assholes. Adam Sandler's character in this movie is like a bad guy. He's like he's like a bad dude. He like actively screams at his children. He like he like puts he like neglects his wife. He talks talks back to his wife in front of his kids. Like he's mean to everybody. He's kind of a bully. Like he's just a bad. He's not a good guy to hang out with. You know what I mean? I don't like him. Sure. And maybe that's just because I'm like, I, I don't yeah, like the I, movie. I don't, I didn't feel as strongly about that, but I see where you're coming. Kevin from. James is, Kevin James is lying to his wife the entire time. Uh, in the B story, he's like not very nice about his kid having clearly developmental disabilities. Um, <laughs> uh, David Spade is whatever. Chris Rock's whatever. Um, they like, don't even, they don't even really give the two of them. They give them plots, but not really. Uh, but that, that's the big thing for me is like Sandler, Sandler's characters, it's it's among his most unlikable characters, you know? Sure. You got to be able to root for the for this character if they're going to be a buffoon. That's fair. Yeah, I, I certainly wasn't rooting. He's never he's rarely. rarely the butt of the joke. Is he ever the butt of the joke in this movie? No, I don't think so. No, he Other never than is. they make a few jokes about his butt. <laughs> the, 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 the way that the way that they the way he writes the scripts is like he's always the guy ragging on everybody else. You know, everybody else are buffoons. That's true. It just doesn't make his character very likable. Yeah. I also found you in like... God, I, I really, 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 really did not like Taylor Lautner and Milo Ventimiglia's characters. Like, I... Me neither. Oh, Not yeah. saying anything even about them. I just... I hated the character. Like, they're... It, and not in the way you're supposed to. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I mean. It just... I was like... Nothing made sense. It didn't even make sense that, like... Look, I know that I shouldn't ever be applying the word realistic to a movie like this, but I'm like, what? It's not even a realistic relationship there where like they're that that power dynamic or whatever that they're like trying to pick on the grown-ups like these college kids it, nothing made sense you know i maybe this is part of the joke but my event was like 35 years old when this movie came out yeah i was i mean i was confused as to i, why I mean obviously it's not fair of me i guess to by, by the way taylor lautner is uncredited in this movie you probably asked him to take the credit oh off but taylor, <laughs> taylor lautner was born in 1992 milo ventimiglia was born in 1977 oh my god like uh, and they're supposed to be the same age again oh god that, yeah, the, they, yeah the least of the movie's worries but that kept pulling me out of it i was like are, are we supposed to believe that these two guys I, was are... talking, I mean david spade's son was i i understand the joke but it was like i really also didn't get it i mean I, it, it took me out a lot the fact that the son in the movie is like Alexander, yeah, 35. Uh, Alexander Ludwig plays him. Um, yeah, the joke, I, I, yeah. I mean, I mean again. Uh, what is the joke, though? I, oh, he's old, older? Haha, <laughs> like, good one. Yeah, and 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 also the arc there, also, it's like, they, they go from hating each other to friends on a dime. And again, least of the, that's not, you're they're, not watching a movie for the subtle arc. You're not watching an Adam, uh, an Adam Sandler movie, I mean, for the subtle arc, but. There, there's a, there's so. There's a terrible college essay somewhere in this movie about how this movie portrays the idea of being a man in machismo and how how you're supposed to show your son that you're macho by beating up your former bully. You know what I mean? And like the idea that how how that's developed and the idea of like what it means to be a man in a comedy movie or whatever. 
Yeah. I didn't say it was a good essay, but there's a terrible essay. No, yeah. Did you, were you also disappointed at the end with like, then as much as I didn't care about the fight or anything at all. I'm also disappointed at the end that like Stone Cold just kind of throws it like like, fully through. I, I just like. I'm just glad that the movie was going to end faster. Yeah, I think I that's, mean, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's all I had. Um, it, yeah. I, I, I don't want to leave one person off the hook. Um, let, let's talk about Nick Nick Swardson a little bit. Oh, yeah. I, he's another one who kind of, I think, replaced Schneider in this, and he's become increasingly a part um, of Sandler's group. Nick Swardson plays Nick. Um, I assume that they kept his name the same in the script so that he realized which lines were hers. <laughs> uh, he plays a bus driver uh, in the movie who is so unstable that Adam Sandler has to take over driving the bus of all these children on the last day of school uh, with no license whatsoever, it appears. Um, I like to call Nick Swardson uh, the blitzkrieg of anti-comedy. Every time I see him, I feel like I'm in the trenches fighting for my life in this chaotic swirl of non-funny as, as the Germans come and swarm me. You have... I, I, I've known this, but you have such a strong anti- I think he Nick is... Swardson. I think he is atrocious. I... I cannot rem- I cannot think of a single thing that I have seen him in where I have thought he was even acceptable. It's funny. I I think his capabilities are some of my favorite I've, I've seen of a comedic actor, but they don't necessarily show in any other roles. Wait, where like when I like where where, where did you, you watch get like him that? in Reno nine one one? No, so like, like I, I've never seen Reno. Yeah, and like okay. I think there was something great there, like. Uh, there are certain characters that he can play just because of, uh, you know, his delivery or whatever. But but it, it's not this. <laughs> oh, my God. Another, it's another guy where it's like kind of. But I do th- I do think there is something about him that inherently amuses me that you doesn't inherently amuse you. And like there, you know, that's just a thing with some actors where like for one person, it's like, oh, there's a little bit of funny in everything they do. He's just so you know, yeah. bad in this movie. Everything he does is unfunny. <laughs> Everything they have him, and it's not just his fault. Everything Sandler makes him do <laughs> is, is unfunny. <laughs> it's it it is truly one of the most embarrassing movie performances I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I can say I mean, that about literally everybody in this movie. That's right. Yeah, I was like, I, I don't know. I didn't. I just would like to sing, stand out to me. I'd like to single him out. You like what? I'd like to single him out though. Okay, just that's so fair. so it's on the record. Um, Speaking of Chris Hardwick, singled out. Yeah, sure, good one. Um, I like having Shaq there, I guess. No, no, I, it just, it was just like, I don't, the lazy, the only joke the whole time is like Shaq's delivery. The, 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 the only time, the only time in this entire movie where I even like cracked a smile came from Shaq. Uh, he does, a he does like a roll across the front of his cop car. And I thought that was funny <laughs> or not funny. I thought that was a funny image to see. The seven foot guy sliding across the front of a cop car like, <laughs> like a Mel Gibson Lethal Weapon esque character. Um, yeah, I, talk about the great. Pot- also, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was gonna say one, uh, one, one. If I had, if you were at gunpoint forcing me to give one compliment to this movie, as compared to Grown Ups One, it would be that I think the exposition was a little bit better than Grown Ups One. That being said. It's because there's no plot, so there's not any exposition to give. Grown Ups but one, in Grown Ups one felt a little. There were a couple things where it felt a little more like. There's a point where like, little girl is in the car driving across the lawn in Grown Ups in Grown Ups one. Adam Sandler's daughter has like taken the car and hit something, and it's like okay, they wanted to do this. That's done. Fine. 
And then she gets out of the car and there and her reasoning for it is like, I was trying to find heaven on the navigation system because I just got we just got a call that your coach died, which is the the point of the movie is that they're all reuniting to do that. And I'm like, why did they choose this one this random ass way to to deliver that exposition? It weakens like so much. And I think that was an that's one example of many, particularly in Grown Ups One. Grown Ups 2 doesn't have those as much. But again, because there's no plot. <laughs> yeah, what is there to deliver? Well, I don't know. I Yeah, I hear you. I uh, <laughs> Listen, if Grown Ups, Grown Ups 2 is a bottom 20 movie for me, Grown Ups 1 is a bottom 40 movie for me. So I, we're, not, we're not talking about too much of a difference for me here. These are clearly not my Well, films. that's a big... That means it's twice as good. It's yeah. just like there's some things in this movie that just like happen. Like, do you remember at the party at the end when the power goes out and then Chris Rock's daughter just starts singing and she's got like a beautiful voice did they even set that up uh no i don't i mean i'm like where did this come from i'm also confused about the like the tim meadows and like the egghead family thing where it's like well it doesn't make sense it's like all right it's funny that his son's also bald but then like so's his wife where yeah. like she's a big forehead although and the thing was <laughs> this thing with steve buscemi's wife where she thinks like adam sandler is obsessed with her because of sixth grade and that creates like a fake rivalry with her and Selma Hayek. And why is Selma Hayek's character even giving her the time of day? And like, well, and what's weird is what's actually, that's like a concept that could be so good in a different movie for at first. She's like neurotically, like, is this weird? Is he, I'm sure I don't think he's over me, but like, is this weird for you? And that's a funny dynamic. And literally within the same scene on a dime that, uh, uh, actress turns and all of a sudden is like, screw you to Selma Hayek, I'm going to get him back. And it comes out of nowhere. And I'm like, you could, again, least of the movie's problems, but you could have a really great long bit within there about this. And it completely abandons it in the first minute. Yes. Yep. Doesn't commit to anything. Doesn't develop anything. Again, that's kind of going back to the themes that we're talking about. Um... All right, let's talk about let's talk about what Grown Ups Three would have been. Then. So, Grown Ups Three, which has not been made, um, there are I can tell you there are two relevant references that I know of Grown Ups Three in the wider world. One is Adam Sandler at the end of his he has a great song for Chris Farley at the end of his stand up special, and he did it on SNL, uh, like a really meaningful song. And at the end, he says like. I wish you were still here and we were getting on a plane to shoot Grown Ups 3. And it is kind of poignant. It makes me think about like everything that like could have been without Farley and stuff I, like I, that. Let's... Beautiful. Yes, I yeah. do love that yes. song. Chris Farley would not have saved this movie. No, no, uh, no, no, I, no. Can no, I, no, I, just, say, can I get, just have that on the record? Sure, like, he wouldn't have. You keep talking, you keep talking, I feel like you keep talking about a version of this movie that could have been great if, if he was here and stuff like that. They still would have probably... No, they, they, they st- it wouldn't have been the only thing that the movie needed. Right, okay. It I just absolutely wanted, I just that would have added more. Yeah. Yes. Um, there definitely is some kind of Kevin James is the replacement Chris Farley concept that Sandler has that is not uh, that I it doesn't work and is a misappreciation or whatever of both of both James and Farley's quality uh, strengths. Um, also, by the way, like it's fascinating to think about to me, like Chris Farley would have been so many clunkers by now, um, but. Uh, so that is one version 
where that's the the version Adam Sandler has threatened. I guess, I guess it, it it makes you be like, oh well, Grown Ups three's on his mind at least. Um, but Tom Sharpling, who created like the best show, um, and is like a respected voice in comedy and much more like you know respected in like the inner the inner the inside baseball of comedy and stuff like that and is probably like with most snl writers he's probably like a a main influence one of those things that's like your favorite comedian's favorite yeah comedic guy um i he wrote a script at the beginning of 2020 and just a full length grown-ups three script and just tweeted it out and said i wrote a script for grown-ups three nobody asked me to do it it's the best thing i i've done and ever will do uh, here it is. And he just uploaded the script for free. And I went to a reading of the script where, um, is, uh, they had some like big, big guy or like, you know, middling comedians and actors read for, uh, the characters, but they're all playing somebody else. Like, um, uh, you know, Chris Gethard was in it. Bobby Moynihan, I believe was, was reading. Kevin Corrigan was reading. Uh, but basically the conceit of Grown Ups 3, Sharpling script is incredible because it starts out in the voice of a grown-ups movie and you, but it's also kind of it's successfully being meta about it and like the joke is how bad the jokes are or something like that like the joke is how shitty the grown-ups movies are um but ultimately it becomes super meta because they kind of you know they call cut on the scenes and stuff and it is about the filming of a grown-ups three. Oh, i see and so it's all the actors also playing themselves oh and so it's 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 like this is the end, but not like this is the end. Yeah. So, okay. And it comes, there's a big thing with dealing in it. I forget the specific stuff, but with dealing with uh, why Rob Schneider was not in Grown Ups 2 and like why he's mad at the others and, and stuff like that. And it ultimately becomes uh, some kind of like slasher movie where there's like a murderer involved and like they're, they're getting killed on the set. But also like they're making each character, like Kevin James is playing himself making fun of his shtick and Rob Schneider is making fun of his shtick and Adam Sandler is making fun of his shtick and it's a way the reason this won't get made is because the movie that movie is too critical of those guys and they won't do it I don't think it also kind of again this is the end is already that that's kind of already this is the end yeah I think it would still work because it's self-awareness about a different group I would certainly I would certainly take it over what we just got I think it would that movie I think could do so well even if it's going to be compared to this again or whatever, because it, you know, I think that self-awareness could serve as an apology and or a make good or uh, um, a way to win people back in respecting them. But also it will never happen because it's just that self-awareness is just not part of the language of that comedy. It's genuine effort, at least. Yeah, that will never happen. But I will say it it was fantastic. (laughs) Um, And you could read the whole thing online. Um, yeah, all right. I've, I've you sent it to me before I had watched it, and then I meant to read I, it. I meant or, to like, read script. it too, and I, I didn't. I'll but I, to... if it were made, like, I just I'm really fascinated by the idea, the, the, the idea that if that were made, it would be probably one of the most respected comedies in years. And just the idea of having a movie, having a third movie in a franchise, be respected compared to the first two. It's like having two Rocky fours and then having. Creed three, like like that's bad, just bad a pick shift. for most of our audiences. But yeah, um, and I also do want to shout out the two guys that watch this movie 
every week for a full year for their podcast. Uh, we see you, podcast brethren. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, oh, one other thing. I was, you did text me in the middle of watching Grown Ups 2 and said, I might need to take a break yeah, so for watching this. <laughs> the, <laughs> the Amazon Prime feed for it, um, for me, came with ad breaks. Yeah. And, oh my God, I had to stand up. I had to walk around. The, and the ad breaks would come like mid joke delivery and I'd be like, do I need to hear the other side? There of was this? a couple points where I was like, whoa, they did this cool, like hard cut to like a new bit. And then I realized I was watching a commercial. And I was like, oh, this is <laughs> it's yeah. To, to be clear, I have seen this movie before. I saw it opening night in a packed audience and it was I, I, people were and seemed to be enjoying it. I not me and my friends, but. Like there, there were I, there were people that were enjoying just, the film, and I thought maybe when I revisited it, there would be like a twinge of like old nostalgia for this era. And I just I, I, <laughs> five minutes in, I was like, "What have I done?" Yeah, I mean, I watched, I saw, I think Paul Blart one. Uh, the worst seat I ever had in a the movie theater was when I was watching Paul Blart one. It was front row, right against the wall, <laughs> literal. Like, yeah. Like craning my neck up, um, and it was to see Paul Bart one. This like, didn't do the movie any favors. Uh, I do think it's kind of funny that I felt bad, uh, not felt bad, but like I really tried to watch Lord of the Rings, whatever one, uh, two towers in one sitting, and I was like, I can't do this, but I know I should. Um, I didn't, um, and you had that trouble with, with Crows too, which I understand, but also For like, very different reasons. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Um, yeah, this is good as fair. This is a, by sizable margin, the worst movie we've watched for me. So um, it is. I, 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 I have sim- say that. I have similar problems with Little Fockers, um, but at least that has a little bit more effort behind it. <laughs> Just a little bit more. So I, I knew you were going to say this is the worst movie and I was prepared to be like, I get it, but you're being a little harsh because I do. I do think. Certainly, you have more unforgiving disdain for Adam Sandler and all that ilk than I do. Um, so initially, I was going to say, like, it is, you know, I don't necessarily agree that it's one of the worst. That being said, gave it one star on Letterboxd. I'm looking at where it stacks up with everything else I watched, and it literally is uh, the, the worst thing we've watched other than, in my opinion, Spice World. I even put oh Idle God. Hands as more than this. So... Um, I, so I apologize for my what was my planned defensiveness because uh, <laughs> you're completely right. <laughs> um, let's just give some lip service to the reason we watched it. Andy Samberg and the young cast of SNL at the time, Jor- I, Jorma, Akiba Shaper, Bobby Moynihan, Taron Killam, uh, Will Forte. They all play male cheerleaders. And the joke is that like, ah, uh, well, it, I actually I, I did like that part. I, I thought that really worked and like could have been was strong on its own. Kind of. I, I I like the idea of having them be a part of it. But the joke is the same thing. It's a gay panic joke again. Just like, ah, uh, uh, yeah, I guess so. I guess I didn't think about it like that. Also, because it's like it, it's also like the the women are going to this thing for the guys to enjoy the car wash. But then they're served instead. But I guess it also, yeah, it does lean into that, too. Um, but I don't know. I thought it was like the most one of the more promising. I was happy to, I was happy to see him like that. I was happy to see him, I guess. Or and the other Lonely Island guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts on Grown Ups, too? Um, no, like I, I swear, like I, I the first movie I would green light if I was a studio, magically a studio executive would be Grown Ups 3 because I 
it, I just think it would be such an amazing comeback story. I think the Razzies would have to create a most improved franchise award and give it to it. It would be incredible. Um, but no, Grown Up Sue, I have nothing more to say. Let's take Sandberg and make a new chain. So I have 10 actresses on my screen, Nick Ricardo. Who is going to be the lucky lady to be paired up with Andy Samberg? I'm going to give you uh, number 10. Number 10. 10th of the 10. Andy Samberg is going to be paired with Lorraine Gary. This is the first time we've had like a non-huge actress or actor, I feel like. Other than the middle chains. Yes. I'm, I look. I don't know who she is. I am going to look it up. Oh, Oh, okay, this is who I thought she was. Uh, the, the Ray Chider's wife in Joyce. Jo- Jaws. Joyce. Uh, Joyce. Yes. I am so sad, though, that I thought you were going to say Lorraine Bracco and a patron saint of my life. I love her. So we're going Andy Samberg to Lorraine Gary. What is interesting is this is another one that's like... Well, I guess this isn't how, this isn't how the chains work. This has got to be a possible three, right? You, I mean, you're throwing back to like older movies and stuff. Andy Samberg... Uh, and Lorraine Gary connected with two movies, maybe perhaps surprisingly, connected by James Caan. Okay. James Caan and Andy Samberg, um, though they also were in That's My Boy together, they also were in another film together uh, called Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Ooh. And then James Caan and Lorraine Gary appeared together in the 1979 film. 1941. 1941. Steven Spielberg. Is it? Wow. And it's got... yeah, Bob, Bob Gale, Zemeckis, Spielberg. Written by Robert Zemeckis, too. <laughs> Belushi's in it. That's our chain. I really like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. I'm excited to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, I actually haven't seen that. Oh, I that's a really that's too. a really good one. And it's a movie I've never seen, too. A Steven Spielberg movie that I've never seen. I'm I very love excited that for it's that. Gale Zemeckis. Yeah. Bob Gale Zemeckis. Like, yeah. Okay. What, a, what a crew. Yeah. All right. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Next time on the Cinema Chain Gang podcast. For Nick Ricardo, I'm Andrew J. The chain continues. Rip a pulley, rip Ray, rip Tony. <laughs> I almost forgot him. Yeah.